I saw this advert for the TV and I thought, oh, did they bring dedicated French broadcasting to Hong Kong? Do you know about this? Yeah. But it's nothing to do with It's France. nothing to do with France, no. I said, that's really nice. The TV, that's perfect. <laughs> Le TV. Yeah, it's funny that it's got a French name, actually. No, apparently Le is like happy in Chinese. Is it? <laughs> yes. Really? Yeah, April told me, yeah. Wow. I'm disappointed. I thought it was like some comedy faux French thing. Le TV. <laughs> this was sponsored by HKBN. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? Um, Are they the same company? No, but I think they're doing a joint... They're doing a deal? Yeah. Okay. I want free internet. I don't want free TV, though. Yeah. That's why I've gone for HKBN. Oh, you're with HKBN? Yeah. Oh, okay. Judge me. There are more interesting things to talk about than internet service provider, really. Really? Like, um, Fallout 4? Fallout 4. You should do your spoilers for Fallout 4 announcement. Spoilers for Fallout 4. Spoilers for Fallout 4. Spoilers for Fallout 4! Nice. I'm Ting. I'm Mike. And today, we're going to talk about... Spoilers for Fallout 4? No, we're going to talk about Fallout 4 in general. Yeah, we are. This is a continuation from our last Fallout 4 podcast. Yes, since we said that we weren't really quite done with it and we wanted to play a bit more. Last time we talked about Fallout 4, we hadn't finished the game. And we have since finished the game, or at least I have. We tried recording as well before, just to record our final impressions, but we went on too many tangents. So we're trying again. Yay. So we were talking about skill points. You'd like to hoard them. Yes, I do. Are you still hoarding them? Yes, I am. So I finished the game with 11 unspent skill points. Though I did actually spend my strategic skill point reserve uh, at one point. I did actually genuinely have an occasion when I needed to spend the skill points to get a quest finished. But by the end of the game, they just started building up again. And I hadn't felt any real need to spend them on anything. So... Yeah, 11 left over. We'll go into more later. Yeah, sure thing. And the other one was, are you having fun exploring the wasteland? What, what happened first time around? Were we, I, okay, I know I was trying to mainline the, the yeah, story. Yeah, I think last time we both said we were just going to mainline the main quest because we needed to get it done. And then I did get it done and you did not. <laughs> I enjoyed myself. I like to enjoy myself. <laughs> I enjoyed myself just exploring the wasteland. Yeah, I, I actually think that's more fun a lot of the time. Mm. Again, that's something we can go into more detail on later. And... Oh, the power armor. Yeah, again, I think that was another thing where we'd said... Are you wearing power armor at all? I mean, did you wear the power armor at all? Not after that first mission that requires you to. And that was the same with me last time. But because of how I was playing, because I ended up doing the... Brotherhood of Steel questline at some point and they very heavily encourage you to wear the power armor and I just got used to wearing it and I just wear it all the time I've still got 61 power cores I'm still finding power cores all the time so there's just no particular reason to take it off there's something very odd about all those clickbaity articles telling you how to survive the wasteland two of them you know be careful with ammo and be careful with power cores yeah, totally a non-issue. I've got hundreds of rounds of everything. I think I've got over a hundred mini nukes even. So. And you're not using, you're not overusing VATS. You are just FPSing it. Yeah, I'm just shooting stuff. I've been running up and hammering the mouse button in things' faces. So, yeah, especially with the power armor on. With the power armor on, it's just like, lol, lol, lol you're not hurting me. Farcical. We need to put something out and say... Guys, <laughs> guys, 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 you don't have to worry. <laughs> yeah, use the power armor, use vats. Oh, don't use vats. <laughs> Just use the power armor, shoot your guns. YOLO. YOLO. YOLO swag. Okay, <laughs> enough of this. So where have we got to? So I've played 65 hours. I've completed the main quest, siding with the Institute. And I've also played all of the faction storylines up to the point where you have to betray another faction. So for all of the four main factions, uh, the Minutemen, the Railroad, the Institute, and the Brotherhood, if I do one more of their story missions, then I will have to betray one of the other factions. And then 
after that point, then I obviously follow through with the Institute storyline, but I could just restore that save game and pick it up with one of the other factions, but I haven't got around to doing that yet. How did you get around the initial confusion about where that branch point was? Well, I just save a lot, actually. I'm just obsessively saving every now and then. So quick saving a lot and also actually making genuine hard saves. And it's pretty obvious. You'll start the quest and it will immediately say the railroad is hostile to you now or the Brotherhood of Steel is hostile to you now. I got the impression that you thought that point was earlier on. Yeah, I really thought that point was much earlier on. I mean, you can really do anything you like without causing too much trouble up until you find the Institute. And even after you find the Institute, there's actually quite a lot you can do before it really causes any trouble for the other factions. Yeah, there's, there's really nothing to stop you experiencing quite a lot of all of the faction storylines. How did you know? What do you mean, how did I know? How did you know? At some point you thought, sod this, I'm going to go and commit to something. And it bounced back and gave you nothing back. Yeah, basically, I thought I should make a decision. I should make a decision. And in the end, I just thought that... I thought that the Institute was... Uh, all of them, all of the factions are kind of ridiculous, actually. The Minutemen are probably the least psychotic, but they're also kind of boring. And then the Institute, I thought, had the most potential for you know, the good of mankind, apart from the fact that they all seem to be genuine psychopaths with zero empathy. But still, obviously I sided with them for science. Not because their character's most like yours. Oh, thanks. Yeah, zero empathy. They've also got a sweet mass relay. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Well, I haven't replaced anybody with any androids recently. I mean, you're still human, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I like the pause there. What can I say? I sided with the Institute. What's wrong with the Brotherhood and oh, the, the Okay, so, yeah, good question. The Brotherhood is xenophobic. They're saying ghouls and synths and everyone are subhuman and they should be exterminated and they're very much about taking control of technology and keeping it for themselves the railroad are very short-sighted they are trying to save these synths and to hell with everyone else and it's it's noble to try and save these synths but it doesn't really make sense they don't have a, a plan or an end goal or an end goal and they're trying to save these synths by blowing up the Institute, but the Institute are the ones making the synths. And their way of saving the synths is often to wipe the synths' memory and replace it with new memories. So have you really saved them if you've erased their memory? You've saved their body, but you've killed that person. To me, again, to me, doesn't make sense. So, yeah, the Institute seemed like the least bad in that they were genuinely in a position to improve things. They had the technology. I mean, they weren't very good about using it to help people, but they had the technology, and you end up as leader of the Institute by the end. So that was my justification, I guess, in my okay. head. So I, I play 31 hours, and I only got to the Glowing Sea, which, which is, is almost the end of Act 1. I think that's how they do it. And then the end of Act 2 is when you... The nuclear... I don't know, nuclear something or other. You're, the nuclear option. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, the, the main structure of the game is trying to find your son, who you, you intuit must be in the Institute, and trying to then get into the Institute. So that's what the Glowing Sea is about. You know that there's a scientist who's escaped from the Institute, and he can help you get back in, and you know he's hiding out in the Glowing Sea. Yes, so that, that's the main, that's the structure of the story. So I guess, so you never got to the Institute. No, I didn't. So you've never seen it? Only through YouTube. And then, so, and you weren't aware of the, well, apart from the fact that we've been talking about it, you weren't aware of the major spoiler, which is that your baby son, Sean, who you're looking for, is actually the head of the Institute. I didn't know that. Yeah, until we talked about it. Yes. I saw that you can kill Sean. Yeah. Straight away. Yeah, you can just fire a fat man in his face. <laughs> What's the implication of that? Nothing, you just get told, okay, leave the Institute, and that's it. <laughs> and it just means you can't side with the Institute. Oh, I see. The only two factions that are really tied together are the Institute and the Railroad. So if you kill Sean, then you can't finish the main quest. But you can't do the nuclear option equivalent as the 
railroad or the institute. Yeah, but they, I mean, they do they do lead you down the garden path a bit because obviously you're looking for a baby, and then they strongly imply that you're looking for like a ten year old boy. Yep. And then when you get into the institute, they do mess with you because then there's a ten year old Sean, and you're like Sean, Sean, and he's obviously going, "Who are you? Where's my father?" And you're like, "I'm your father," but it turns out that the boy Sean is actually a synth, and your son Sean is actually the sixty something year old leader of the institute because. You were frozen for a long, long time, much longer than you thought. 60 years longer than you thought. 60 years longer than your son. 60 years longer than your son. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it. So did we want to talk about a couple of other people we've spoken to who've been playing Fallout 4? Oh, yes, for sure. So do you want to... So we play, we play... I don't know how to introduce him because we, I, we never, we've never introduced him. We just said <laughs> Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> so Kevin. Good timing. Yeah. <laughs> He's he's platinumed Fallout 4 on the PlayStation, which I think is a really good effort because he doesn't he doesn't get the assistances of, of removing encumbrance, and he has a, I assume painful load times. Yet he's done it in three days and fifteen hours, ninety-ish hours. Yeah, yeah. So he well he's he's played as much as both of us put together, pretty much. But yeah, and he's platinumed it. Nice ones. But, disappointingly, I've not reviewed those trophies or achievements. I don't know what's... how hard it is. Yeah, I'm not sure how it works on the PS4, which ones count. Because uh, there's quite a lot of trophies for weird side missions as well, I think, as well as the main story. I might be wrong about that, actually. I don't pay that much attention to achievements. Okay. I know there's one for having 100% at a settlement, or maybe it's multiple settlements, but that's it. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because he said that was the last one he got, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And then next time around, he said he's platinumed it. Yeah. And then more crazily, my cousin's SO has played... Well, I met them over Christmas, and they told me that they had played 450 hours, which is ridiculous, because at Christmas when I met them, the game had only been out for, what... 44 days I think we calculated yeah November 10th yeah so 450 hours in 44 days that is over 10 hours a day just over yeah so essentially her full time job was playing Fallout 4 (laughs) that's extremely impressive and we had a few chats about well I, I, I in fact I had like a mini version of this wrap up conversation with her and, and saying things like, oh, I feel like you can't be evil. And she was saying, oh, you know, you should try doing the Cabot House mission. Like, you can be quite evil there. But I haven't actually had a chance to go back and play. But she's now probably like a walking Fallout 4 wiki. I don't know. <laughs> maybe we'll find her her name at the bottom of a lot of the edits. <laughs> yeah, maybe, actually. Maybe. Yeah, I should find out her Steam... Steam. I assume she's playing on Steam, actually. I don't even know. Didn't go into that much detail. So you're not friends with them? Not friends on Steam, no. Okay. I, cool. I, I, don't, I don't see... I don't see... I, I only really see her and my cousin uh, when I go back at Christmas, so... Anyway. One of your complaints was that Although I've played so long, I've not made much progress. Yeah, I'm shocked that you've managed to play 31 hours and only be at the glowing sea. But in-game, it's only 25 hours. Okay. Because there's a lot of reloading, I think. I think if I reload from X point, it just dulls the clock back, I guess, presumably. Only the time where you're actually in-game counts towards, yeah, on that save game file, yes. So it must be a bit of reloading. Even that, still 25 hours. So what have I been doing? I always go into new locations, new buildings that come up. If I walk past them, I'll go into them. And the other thing is I've been spending a lot of time moving weapon mods. Yeah, since we learned that we could do this from Giant Bombcast. But yeah. you, you seem to have taken it a bit too far because, again, like we had a chat about this and I was saying, well... I only really need one shielded barrel. I don't. There's no point dismantling like 10 guns to get 10 shielded barrels. Once I've got one, but you've been dismantling everything. You've got like a stack of weapon mods. Yeah, and I dismantle them so they're the vanilla pistol again. 
or the vanilla rifle. Uh, and to me, this just seems wasteful because you have to use some resources to to put the base version back on, don't you? And I think you have to use up some screws, which are like the some screws and some adhesive, which are the rare in inverted commas crafting mats for guns. So I've never been constrained by materials. Yeah. I have gone crazy collecting them all. And I get XP for dismantling oh, okay. guns as well. Mm, I guess so. But at the end of every mission, yeah, at the end of every proper mission, I'll go back and dismantle things. Yeah, and there's a half an hour spent just reviewing and other inventory management. And I'll do a bit of cooking as well. Okay. You saw just now my Fallout 4 setup. So I built a crate that I just leave in Sanctuary near the fast travel warp in point and after a mission i would just go and just dump everything in the crate so Makes i've sense. just got a crate full of guns full of guns and armor did you set up supply lines i did eventually set up supply lines yes for the few settlements i did but i really didn't play very much of the settlement game and i don't think you did either no no i didn't bother yeah so meh so as i mentioned i was talking about it's not just the crafting that's taking my time. It's also just popping into this random buildings along the way. And actually, there's quite a few of them. And I thought, you know, part of Fallout's charm is these locales, which are self-contained stories, almost. Yeah, I did a fair amount of that too. And I, I think some of, some of these off-the-beaten-track places, or at least locations that are not part of the main quest... They're actually some of the best bits of the game and some of the most memorable moments from Fallout 4 have come from these off-the-beaten-track locations. Something that I don't understand, or maybe you, you can enlighten me, is are these RPG staples, these things? So, for instance, we, we both like Cambridge Polymer Labs. Not only is it audio and it's text that's tied to a location, it's also an environment which is very much separate to the main story. But do other games do this where they'll give you a whole locale to explore? I mean, obviously, in most games, they give you an audio log or a bit of text to give you that background. But do other games give you a whole setting as well? Yeah. Like what? You say, well, Fallout 3. <laughs> Fallout 3, yeah. Uh, the Fallout games have always done this. I, I would, and Skyrim as well. Or all the, yeah, the Bethesda games certainly do this and i would have thought you'd have encountered in say Baldur's gate 2 as well have you not encountered this i mean maybe not the voice acting because they don't do so much voice acting in Baldur's gate 2 but yeah, it's not as complete with Baldur's gate 2 yeah but i mean the lack of voice acting in Baldur's gate 2 i think allows for a deeper for a deeper story because they can just put more branches into the conversation because they don't have to record them all i would say in these open world RPGs, I think it's fairly common to have this sort of thing. I, I know certainly the other Bethesda games like Morrowind, Oblivion, Skyrim, Fallout 3, obviously. Yes, this is quite a common thing to do. And I also heard The Witcher 3 does this and it's all fully voiced. And people are surprised in The Witcher 3 that they have this many side quests that are fully fleshed out and voiced. Although neither of us has experienced this firsthand because we haven't played The Witcher 3. So for my first encounter with any of all the any of this storytelling in RPGs was in Fallout 4 in Cambridge Polymer Labs as what was happening was becoming apparent to me more impressive it got so you know first things first you go in you, you're there for an interview with oh, what's the bot called do you remember the bot's name no I don't remember Cur it's not Curie no Curie's from Vault 81 I don't remember the bot's name which is a shame she asks you a couple of questions, decides what position, and you go in and you realise that, okay, she's just going to ask you to complete the experiment. Well, that's what I had to do. Yeah, I had to do the same thing, yeah. Then, and, they, and they won't let you out until you finish the experiment. Yeah, which is very cool. Yeah, that was cool. I, I enjoyed Cambridge Polymer my labs as well. And then you start hacking the, term, hacking the terms, or maybe they're open to you, I don't know. Yeah, you've got a few options. You can either complete the experiment, you can hack your way out. There's a, there's a few paths through it. But as you click through the terms, you appreciate what's happening, what's happened to the... Yeah, giving you the backstory of, the, of, of what happened there. And it's a clever story and it's a, it's a well-designed location. And as a first time, first time of, of that kind of experience, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a few surprises like that in Fallout 4 on the out-of-the-way places. I remember being sent for, I think, one of the Minutemen missions to help out this farm, and it says, oh, go into this Dunwich Borer's location and clear out this Raider gang. And then while clearing out the Raider gang, I just discovered that the quarry goes down deeper and goes down a whole other level, and you start hallucinating and having flashbacks, and there's like a terminal that just says, stay in the light, stay in the light, and the lights keep going out, and you have to keep turning them back on, and there's weird spooky stuff happening. And you eventually discover, in this flooded section of the mine, this altar to summon Cthulhu, essentially, and a sacrificial dagger, uh, like a unique sacrificial dagger. There's lots of weird stuff in there. It was really cool. And I think there's loads of areas like that. And there's loads more that we haven't seen as well. And then, in fact, another area then that we... One that we both experienced was Hubris Comics. Yes. So that's in the Silver Shroud quest line. Yes. And you had some trouble? Had some trouble. I went into the comic store and loads of ghouls started scrambling towards me. That was not a problem. But as I made my way up to the top, to, up to the top floor, there's a glowing one there. And it just one-shotted me straight away. So I reloaded and just, I left Garvey to it. Is that his name? Yeah, Preston Garvey. And he was, there's a lot of commotion upstairs. He was crying and yelping, but I thought he would do it, but he didn't. So I had to bottle it and leave. And that's not the first time. I had to do it again in the Massachusetts State House when there was a, I, can't, I don't know how to say this, those shelled crab things. Oh, Mylurks. There was a Mylurk queen. Oh, Mylurk queen. Yeah, they're quite tough. In the pit down below. And I think there's a fusion core down there and something else had I killed her, but I bottled that as well. Yeah, Mylurk queens are tough. They're like the top tier enemy. Okay. They're, they're equivalent to a Deathclaw, maybe even stronger than Deathclaw. Actually, probably stronger than a Deathclaw, yeah. It's quite funny. Um, at, when I was clearing that location out, I had Pacify. So I pacified a lot of Mylurks up to that point i thought fuck this i'm gonna try it and obviously she's over it's over level but i'm still trying it because out of sheer desperation i had to fight a mile queen for one of the Minutemen quests to retake the castle which is a big uh, fortress on the coast and yes that was one of the times when i actually decided to use the fat man i just brought it out and just started shelling it with nukes so yeah mile queens are serious business i know I'm not a big fan of all these like mutated creatures in the of of the you know post-apocalyptic future. <laughs> I don't understand why I'm playing Baldur's Gate too. I don't understand why I have to have oversized spiders and oh, I'm just. I think I'm still a child at heart. <laughs> you don't like. I don't like these creatures. They freak you out. Yeah. Freaking beholder. <laughs> oh, beholders! Yeah, creepy. Anyway, tangent. Tangent, yes. Official. Official tangent. Oh, Hubris Comics. A later part of that questline, which you didn't get to, is actually where I had to spend my skill points. One of the quests, one of the events in one of the quests, I actually had to spend five or six skill points all in one go. In let's go back. Let's, let's go back a step. At the top of Hubris Comics, there is the... So at the top of Hubris Comics, there is the Silver Shroud costume and a prop gun and the hat and some other stuff. So, yeah, the quest is to retrieve that and bring it back to this guy. A prop gun? Yeah, a prop. Uh, sorry, like a, yeah, like a prop as in like it doesn't shoot real bullets. Oh, really? Yeah, you're supposed to retrieve the coat, the hat, and the gun. That's what the quest is for. So you bring it back to this guy, and he, he actually kits out, and he makes it into a real gun and a real... Uh, and he, he armors the, the coat and he kind of convinces you to play the part of the Silver Shroud and bring um, villains to justice. And while you're wearing the Silver Shroud costume, you can actually, there's a conversation option will appear, which will say, speak as the Shroud. And you put on this super campy over the top comic book voice. Like, oh, I'm not even going to attempt to do it, actually. <laughs> it's like, That's a shame. Freeze evil doer. And... I can't even remember the exact turn of phrase about like the shroud of your death has come or something. Um, so towards the end of that quest line, the guy who's running the radio station gets kidnapped by 
Raiders. And do you hear this on the radio? You hear this on the radio, yeah. So he, there's a radio broadcast, and you'll be listening to it, and he'll be talking about how the Silver Shrouders save the day once again. And suddenly you hear like the door being kicked in, and Raiders come and kidnap him. And you track the Raiders down, you have to break into their lair, and it ends in a standoff where the leader of the Raider gang is holding a gun to his head and tells you tells you you're going to die essentially I don't know you you have to try and save him and I know from being a terrible cheater and reading the wiki that if you manage to save him he will upgrade the silver shroud armor which was what I was wearing most of the time because it's it's quite light and had really good protection so so I wanted to rescue him but it was it's really difficult because I couldn't just use my usual I win button and fire a fat man into his face because then it would kill the hostage as well. So there's a gang of 10 raiders, the the leader and the deputy are the the two big targets, and they will immediately try and shoot the guy when the fight starts. So you've got maybe a couple of seconds to try and take them both out. And you can pacify the rest of the gang by using the silver shroud stick and saying that their death has come for them. like, I'm not again. I'm not even going to try and do okay. it um, by using the silver by using the silver shroud voice. But there's still those two, the leader and the deputy, to deal with. And I could just not output enough DPS to take them down in the few seconds that I had. But luckily, I had tons of skill points stored up. So this, I guess, was like a defining moment for my character because up to that point, I'd just been hoarding skill points. But to do enough damage, I dumped them all into. Uh, rifleman because that was my highest dps single shot weapon uh, as in the most damage i could do in a massive burst would come from dumping points into rifleman to essentially double my sniper rifles damage and sneak attack you know do a sneak attack or do a, a vats headshot and so that's what i did i dumped all the points into to boost this burst dps and managed to just take out both the leader and the deputy in VATS. So there you go. And then managed to rescue the guy. And after that, my character went down the single shot, single shot perk tree. So all of my best guns were of that style. So I had a single shot legendary combat rifle I found that did explosive damage per shot. Uh, I had a combat shotgun, explicitly not automatic to get the buff from, from being a single shot weapon. I had my laser rifle, which Again, I deliberately modded to not be automatic. And the gorse rifle, which did crazy single shot damage. So after I got that, that became my new... Um, I'd left the sniper rifle at home and that became the new... Your new primary, your my new go-to. New, my, new, my new go-to when I, when I really, really, really needed to kill something. When you absolutely, definitely have to make sure they're dead in one shot. Yeah, yep. good gun to use. As part of the, um, the whole Fallout 4 experience, what played a major part for me was the music. But you didn't care for it. I think this is quite a funny one. Again, it just shows how different we are. I was not bothered by the music, which is to say, when you say the music, you're talking about the radio station. Yeah. Yeah. So I put on the was it Diamond City radio and... A lot of the songs were the same as they were in Fallout 3, I guess. It was. I was just thinking, oh, this is just more of the same, and I just shut it off again. What is it? What music do they play? Oh, they're just from the old-timey faux era that Fallout 4 is kind of set in, or that the Fallout games in general are set in. So I just left the radio off, and I would get the ambient combat music. But that was it. So yeah, I didn't... It's funny because it's the opposite of the last game we played, which was Undertale, where I really loved the music. I thought the music was really, really great. And you didn't particularly care for it. No. You said you had the music turned off most of the time where you played it muted. Or dialed down, yeah. Yeah. But this time, you you really liked the Fallout 4 music. It really set the tone for the world for me. Because the Wasteland is barren. You don't know what it's meant to emote. Is that the right use of the word emote? How to evoke? Evoke. You don't know what is going. What is meant to evoke? 
what sort of emotion it's emotions it's meant to evoke. Yeah, that sounds better. Yeah, so without otherwise it's quite I don't know. I guess it, if without the music it removes the cinematic quality. If that's what you're looking for, obviously you may not be looking for that. Otherwise it is just you walking around some wasteland. But it was the classical music station you were listening to. Yeah, it was. So I think to better explain what we're talking about, I'm, I've got some clips. Okay, so do you want, do you want to say the name of... of... Oh, the worrying bit is I'm, I'm a bit of a, like a, a simpleton. So I'm a bit worried I've pronoun- I'm going to pronounce them incorrectly. <laughs> I'm gearing up to, <laughs> to, to laugh. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not really. I'm not really. I'll be supportive. Maybe you can, you can tell me how to say blue, blue Danube. Yeah, that's how I'd say it. The blue, blue Danube. Oh, blue Danube. Danube is different to Danube, though. I think you're saying it right and I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> just, let's just be clear here. It's not like I can say it right either. Okay, so... So I'm just going to play on your iPad. Do you know what I mean? Imagine now traipsing across the wasteland with that music. Imagine all the hope that carries with that. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just making head motions. I'm just imagining swaying. And this, it becomes a world full of potential and... And and dreams? That sounds a bit ridiculous. Less bleak. Yes. And that that helped me a lot. Because I, I came into Fallout 4 with the more... My idea of Fallout 4 was more along the lines of the road. If you know what I mean. And that world is very bleak. I haven't I'm watched the road, actually. I should watch it. Or, or read it. It's a book as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Because that covers the first part. So imagine, you know, if you imagine traipsing around world, the world to that... And I had something else which was more combat focused. And this this piece of music came on perfectly when I was in Hubris Comics and all the feral ghouls were just charging at me and I was just shotgunning each one to this and it made me... Okay, that I can imagine working really well. So <laughs> that made me smile in... I felt, I felt guilty. I enjoyed it so much. Okay, and this is in the Hall of the Mountain King? Yes. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that working really well. I can imagine that actually working really well and being a very cinematic experience. And then the final piece was when this played, I just felt like such a badass. But even, I don't think I was ready. I was at that stage yet. I think it'd be more fitting to your gameplay, I feel. I think with this, do we have to name it Ride of the Valkyries? Yeah, Ride of the Valkyries. It came at a stage where I was arming and arming about just busting in there and just starting off an encounter. When this came in, that really sort of gave me the impetus to just go in. Guns blazing? Yes, thank you. I was going to say something a bit more inappropriate. <laughs> okay. But guns blazing sounds much better. Okay. Hmm. So. I think I had a couple more examples, but I think three is enough. I love, I love threes. You love threes. <laughs> okay. But you see how the music really affects what's going on, on on screen. Yeah, I I can see that. But you said that the Hall of the Mountain King came on just as you were shooting all the yeah. feral ghouls, and and that worked really well. But 
I guess, I mean, that was just like an amazing coincidence. Uh, and that's the thing. I guess if you don't have the radio selected, it just kind of plays ambient combat music. So I suppose it's it's always appropriately timed. And I was just, I guess I was just lazy, to be honest. Would you recommend the ambient music? The ambient music was actually pretty good, yeah. I, I quite liked it. But it, it's it's not... It's uh, it's it's not memorable in the same way as say, as the radio station music because mm-hmm. it's kind of designed not to be memorable. It's designed to kind of evoke a mood, but not get in the way, I guess, of the game. Okay. So it's decent music though. It's it's good. It's good. But it's if you ask me to tell you the tune, I couldn't tell you the tune. It's more just. It's emotive as well, but it's almost only emotive. There's no melody yep. as such. I couldn't tell you these. Had to look up some of these tunes. Okay. Well, my, my sister's a classical violinist, so I guess I've been exposed to far too much violin music. <laughs> okay. That kind of summarizes my thoughts on Fallout 4, actually. It's more about the experience itself more than anything else. And then, you know, now it's it's over to Sir Michael to sort of try to sum up his experience. My main feeling, my main whinge, I don't know, the the weakness of the role-playing. I can't remember if I... I think I did touch on this last time. By making the character fully voiced, it's... There's less role-playing to it. It's more that you're just watching another character and there's less... Your choices seem to have less of an impact rather than just watching someone else's take on what the character means because they're just because they're reading out the lines and i guess another consequence of it all being fully voiced is that they can't afford to put too many branching paths in they can't make the story too complicated because then there'd be so much audio to record but if they did branch it you're saying that they could voice it and so long as they had enough lines to cover the different morality states you think that'd be okay uh, well i think so I, I think it would make it feel i think if they had your character be voiced in such a way that you didn't feel it broke the immersion like then it would be okay then but i don't think i think that's very hard to do i think it, the the fact that now conversation option wise it just it doesn't say what you're going to say it just kind of gives you some flavor of what the next statement's going to be and sometimes you'll pick the option and it won't at all be what you were thinking i think that's pretty weak and and particularly for and there's some really awkward ones as well like i i maxed the relationship level with a few different companions and so i guess i just started to know again how the system works so when the companion says oh can i talk to you for a second you knew that you'd hit some new relationship milestone and for the characters that are romanceable, there would always be a flirt or romance option. So a couple of times I did actually save the game. When when the character said, oh, can I talk to you for a second? I would save the game and talk to them and try picking the flirt or romance option. And it was always just so creepy. Like They were always just like, oh, yes, I do love you now that you've successfully passed a conversation check, essentially is how it felt. It was just, yeah, it was... It was strange and unbelievable, and I would just reload my save game and be like, yeah, let's not do that. Did they, did they do this in Fallout 3? I don't think they had... Um, I don't recall, actually. I don't even remember there's, like, romance options. No, no NPCs in Fallout 3, I think, actually. No, no, there, there are definitely NPCs in Fallout 3. Oh, really? No, there's definitely NPCs in Fallout 3. Hmm. I wonder why they made such a big deal of it this time round. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. I... I know that in Fallout 3 and New Vegas, I didn't bring a companion. In Fallout 3, I don't think I ever found dog meat, or maybe I found, I only found dog meat like 40 or 50 hours in. And New Vegas, I didn't have a kind of, I don't think I took a companion at all. Fallout 4, they, yeah, they really made a big deal of companions. They really wanted you to take one. And they, and they essentially made it so you had to find dog meat. You know, they really wanted to have companions. So you're right, they did make a big deal of it this time around. But, yeah, the companions... The companion stories and quests were were quite good. But 
certainly the their personalities and their the, the behavior of all the characters towards you is a little bit strange so all the factions immediately make you their leader or their top agent or or just give you give you far more power than you'd expect for some random person they've just bumped into and other npcs the the persuasion options just are weird and they, they just don't make sense either like someone will be like i want to kill you and you'll successfully pass the conversation check and they'll immediately be like oh hi we're best friends now and there's just there's just no consistency to it and there's no it's not even like they give a spiel to explain how you manage to convince them you just successfully pass the conversation check and they immediately change to being your best friend it's just it felt very unnatural yeah it's not very subtle sounds very binary which isn't you know in the real world is not binary at all yeah for for all the things that fallout 4 improved on with the gunplay and the and the and the graphics being much better than fallout 3 and so on the role-playing elements i think have taken a step back certainly from new vegas though uh, i think new vegas was developed by a different company so i guess that's I, i guess it's just a different vision for what one of these games should be. Uh, I saw quite a funny Reddit post on this where it says, you know, quests in the, or the difference between New Vegas and Fallout 4 and they, and they show this incredibly complicated flowchart for how a quest can play out in Fallout New Vegas and then like two boxes for Fallout 4. And, and I think it's true. But I think that is significantly a consequence of the voice acting and the trade-offs you have to make. If you're going to invest this much in the voice acting, if you were to invest the amount of time and money that they had to in the voice acting for Fallout 4, well, if you invested that same amount of time and money in making interesting quests without voice acting, you can obviously make them significantly more complicated. So no other game implements voice acting successfully and has good role-playing? Well, apparently The Witcher 3 does. Okay. And that's why everyone has said Game of the Year. But we didn't play it, so... We'll have to try at some point. So the Mass, Mass Effect games don't do this. I think we did. We talked about this last time, but the Mass Effect games are kind of like Fallout Four in that there are fewer branches. There's the Paragon and Renegade options, and they're quite explicitly Paragon and Renegade. And your character will, but I think I think Mass Effect, the Mass Effect games, do it better than Fallout Four because the intonation of your character's voice because it's so explicitly oh this is a paragon option this is a renegade option your character will 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 emote it much more convincingly than in fallout 4 where you'll say something like that's not what i meant or that's not how i wanted to come across so yeah so i've heard the sarcasm doesn't play out so i if i'm role playing i never choose sarcasm as an option because i there's no telling what it's going to do. I don't know. Well, if I'm trying to role play as myself, I wouldn't, I'm never sarcastic. So therefore, I'd never choose that option. <laughs> You're never sarcastic? Never sarcastic. Okay. Unless I'm really close to someone, I don't feel like it can be interpreted correctly all the time. So, I, so I've, I've never clicked the sarcasm option. But I've heard the sarcasm doesn't work in Fallout 4 because they're different degrees of sarcasm and it's quite subtle but never <laughs> doesn't translate i think the fallout 4 sarcasm is always really like turned up to 11 yeah you can't it's not you know what it's not sarcasm like british sarcasm it's sarcasm like american sarcasm it's like so in your face it's, it's not like oh yeah that was a good idea it's like yeah you like fucking moron no actually no i shouldn't say that <laughs> sorry i can't i i can't actually think of a good example of what the scar you know what I hardly ever pick the sarcasm option either. So, okay. I'm I can't give a good example, but I know what you mean. It's I saved a couple of times and picked the sarcasm option and I was so shocked by what came out of the guy's mouth that I actually reloaded and didn't pick the sarcasm option. I think it's generally never subtle. I think it's always quite in your face. And as you say there are degrees of sarcasm. And this is not it's not dry British sarcasm, but it's quite in your face. Did you also want to talk about the interconnections between the the factions and how it's quite flimsy? Yeah, there's no... Again, 
the, the it's not like there's a complex reputation that you're building up with each faction. It's actually, again, it's a very binary thing where either you can do quests for us, we're friends, or we hate you and we'll shoot you on sight. And there isn't much in between. Well, actually, that's essentially all there is to say about it. I think the most complicated is between the Institute and the Railroad. And their two storylines intertwine because you're essentially playing a double agent, either for the Railroad or for the Institute. But even that, there isn't too much subtlety. There just comes a point where you just betray one of the factions and that's it. And you immediately go from being friends to walking in and shooting everyone in the face. On that note. And on that note. We can summarise. Right? Yeah. I don't know how, but <laughs> let's try. As, as a bold outline, we can say that the experience, the world, no, the, the world building is there, clearly. But the storytelling isn't, and the RPG elements aren't there. Yes. I mean, it's... That's a very broad, you know, as a broad stroke, that's what we think. It's, it's a fun and interesting world. There's a lot to experience. I think our, I think there's, and I think there's more that both of us could do in that world. I think, I think some of the best experiences in Fallout 4 are not on the main storyline. And going out and exploring and just stumbling across an area, you'll sometimes find something really amazing, something really fun. I think the thing I kind of wanted to, to suggest was with the streamlining that's gone into Fallout 4, they, they've dramatically pared back on the systems and that were in Fallout 3 with skill points. And you know, it, now it's, you've just got your stats and you've got your, your perks. And even your stats don't seem to... Your stats don't have the same impact that they did in previous Fallout games where they were fixed in a defining characteristic of, of your character. Now they are just kind of gates that you have to pass through in order to pick certain perks. And when it comes to things like the carry limit, you obviously modded it out and you're not the only person to have done so. Quite a lot of people say, oh, in the end, I felt bad doing it, but I hacked away the carry limit and I'm having so much more fun with the game now. And so it, it, it almost feels like with Fallout 4, they want to streamline it further, but they, they feel like they can't because they, they have to vaguely stick to their RPG, RPG roots. Exactly. But would it be a better game if they were just to get rid of the stats. I mean, maybe they can keep the experience points, so they can, maybe they can keep the perks in there. But would it be a better game or a more fun game if they actually just abandoned the stats and abandoned the carry weight, got, all, got rid of all pretense of it being a, a simulation, an old school RPG, and, and instead just let you have fun and experience this wasteland experience the experience the wackiness of of the of the fallout 4 setting or or of this post post apocalyptic retro future setting uh, the opposite of new vegas hardcore mode really i'm suggesting because i'm not even saying that that would be a better game i'm it would be a different game are you saying that you can either streamline it further or go back to fallout 3 or would you say to streamline it I think what I'm trying to say is they're both valid approaches to a game. People, people talk about dumbing down a game uh, in the name of making it more accessible, or particularly for PC games, they talk about they talk about dumbing it down for console gamers. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, Fallout 4 they took quite a lot of radical streamlining decisions relative to the previous Fallout games, and it has made it. Although people say it has dumbed it down and things have been lost, I mean, things have been gained as well. So I guess I'm trying to say, even though in some ways it's not a Fallout game anymore, relative to the classical Fallout games, it's still a good game. And what would happen if they were just to take it to the next level? Although maybe they wouldn't, maybe they'd almost have to not call it Fallout to avoid fanboy outrage and pitchforks. But I could see that being a good game, taking the streamlining to the next logical step and essentially giving up on it being a role-playing game and just saying this is an action-adventure in this fun, this fun, in this just this fun setting. Abandon carry weight, abandon stats, 
What else do you want to abandon? <laughs> Maybe this is just me getting old as well <laughs> and being like, no consequences almost. What do I mean by no consequences? I mean, a decision I made. The reason I was hoarding all the skill points is because I didn't want a decision I made 20 hours ago to block my progress many hours later. And I guess it's just not having to do all that research to plan the optimal build just to be able to play the game and have fun. And in games that are RPGs, often you do actually have to worry about this. Uh, to go on a very minor tangent, Baldur's Gate 2, like the amount of research you did on your character before you started playing. Well, when you named it the book club game and I was playing it as well. Yeah, I had to do quite a lot of research again to remember how to to min-max my character. And if you don't do that in, say, Baldur's Gate 2, which is quite a classical RPG, you can hamstring yourself quite badly. Whereas that's not the case in Fallout 4. But, but I think it's not obvious that that's not the case in Fallout 4. True. So why not just make it obvious and that people play? If you're going to streamline it, take it to the next step, just go all the way. I'm not saying that makes it better than a more classic Fallout experience like New Vegas. But it's, it's an equally valid way to structure and, and enjoy the game. I'm and happy with that. I don't... I think we'll finish with that. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think it'll be more the same. I think for myself, it'll be more with this, to do with the streamlining. I like systems, but I like systems to work for me, not work against me. To make Systems should be there to make things more interesting and give me more things to think about, but it shouldn't introduce more process for me. So an example is I'm spending far too much time playing with gun mods. I'm sure you could streamline that for me and help me achieve the same result. Yeah, that's it. Okay. We, you enjoyed it? Oh, definitely. I enjoyed it too. <laughs> I don't have much more to say than that. Should we have played The Witcher 3 instead? Maybe? I don't know. I definitely think so. <laughs> okay. So maybe, maybe one day we'll play that and we can compare and contrast because they came out about the same kind of time. Same year. Witcher 3 came out early in the year, isn't that right? Oh, I think you're right. Is there a fun closing statement? No, because it'll be all like just a statement with no, no substance. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a lot of, our st- of my statements. <laughs> Fallout 4. I don't know what to say about Fallout 4. That's the, that's the problem about Fallout 4. I don't really know what to say about it. A lot of people are saying a lot of things about Fallout 4 without really saying... Very much at all. Yeah. There's something not quite right with it. There's a lot right with it. There's something not quite right with it. Yeah, I'm really struggling to, to sum up. I think it's a slightly difficult game to sum up. There's something... Yeah, it feels like... It's a good game. I don't think it's like a genre-definingly great game. I, if I was being Metacritic about it, I'd give it like an 8 out of 10. That makes sense to me. And with that, we're done? We're done. We're done. Finally. <laughs> okay. Bye. Oh, bye. <laughs> <laughs>